Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The unfolding of your words gives light and it imparts understanding to the simple. Truly, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. Today's topic is worship in the language of the people. The Bible in the language of the people. I want to talk to you about a very important principle of worship. It's certainly grounded in the New Testament, and it was recovered for the church at the time of the Protestant Reformation by the various elements or the various movements of the Protestant Reformation. We can specifically look at Germany under Luther, and we could look at England with William Tyndall. But the same might be said of others who take the Bible in the Greek and Hebrew and translate it into the language of the people. But these are two people God used to bring the Bible out from the Latin Vulgate into the language of the people of Germany, into the language of the people of England. This is a very important principle of Scripture. I want to point you to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, this chapter certainly talks about spiritual gifts, among which are prophecy and speaking in tongues. But I want us to simply look at this chapter with reference to the language used in worship. Because actually that's what Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with order in the worship, order in the assembly, in the manner of speaking and how people speak when they're gathered together to jointly worship God. And we find embedded in this scripture instructions about worship, worship in the common language of the people. So where it has the word tongue, I'm simply going to use the word language, although I might slip up and say tongue. But we should understand that tongue refers to dialect. It refers to language, language that's known and understood. And so the principle of worship that I want to give to you is that worship must be in the language that the people understand in order for the people to benefit from the worship and in order for the people to jointly give corporate worship to Almighty God. So what do I mean when worship should be in the language of the people. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the fact that the prayers need to be offered in language that the people understand, that the scripture readings are to be in the language that the people understand. They're common language. Certainly, we could take the Bible in the Greek. That's the closest we can get to the original. And one who can read the Greek could read the Koine Greek in the congregation. That would be a reading of the Word of God. But the fact of the matter is that most people in the congregation, probably all of them, do not understand what you're, what you're saying. They might pick up a word or two. A preacher might pick up a word or two. and Perhaps the preacher might know enough of it to translate part of it. And though that is the language that the Bible is written in, it does not profit the people unless they can hear it in the language that they understand. And they even gain more benefit if they can hear it in a language that they are 
the most familiar with, both in mental comprehension and in emotional wedding, what we might call the mother language or the language that they learned as a child. The prayers offered in the church should be intelligent to the people. Now, let me make an aside here, because the truth of the matter is is sometimes we call on someone to pray in the church, and though they might be praying in English or Spanish, whatever the language of the people is, you don't understand what they're saying because they're muttering the prayer. Look, when we pray in church, you're called upon to pray in church, the principle is you must pray loud enough so that the people don't understand what you're saying, and you must not simply use constant repetition phrases. You must actually have content to your prayer. You're addressing God on behalf of the whole congregation. They must be able to understand what you're saying. They must be able to follow what you're saying. And perhaps it would be good if the people didn't close their eyes and bow their heads if they actually kept them open and paid attention as we pray. The same is true of scripture readings. The Bible is to be read in the assembly of the people. Now, too often, we we short-circuit this. As Protestant Christians, we should certainly be ashamed of ourselves. If in the worship service, the only time the scripture is being read is when the preacher reads a little bit of it before he preaches it, that's not enough Bible reading in the church. We need to read God's Word, both Old Covenant Scripture, the Old Testament, and the New Covenant Scriptures, the New Testament, both gospel and epistles. We need to read the Word of God in the assembly in the language of the people that they understand. Now, if we have a bilingual congregation, be it French and English or whatever it is, then it must be available to both those parties at the same time in written form and, if at all possible, in spoken form, either by the speaker or by a translator. But the scripture needs to be read in the language of the people. And this is what some of the reformers basically laid their lives on the line for. In fact, some of them were even killed for it, especially William Tyndall. He was martyred by the king of England because he was translating the Bible from Greek into English so that the people could read the word of God. And this at the time was forbidden by the Church of England under Henry VIII. Here's an amazing fact. You know that when William Tyndall, who was ultimately betrayed and captured and this was martyred, he was strangled, but the strangulation did not put him out. And so while the flames around him are leaping up and beginning to burn his body, he regains consciousness. And even when that happens, there is an explosion because fireworks have been stored near this place and they blow up and William Tyndall was blown to pieces. He was martyred for translating the Bible from the Greek and Hebrew into English so that God's people could read God's word in their own language. My question to you, my question to me is, do we value God's word enough 
Do we value the Bibles that's placed in our homes that are in our churches enough to take them off the shelves and to open them up in our living rooms and at our tables and in our easy chairs? Are we able to open them up on our phone? Read God's Word. People died so that you could read it in your language. The teaching and preaching of the church must be in the language that the people understand, that the people can follow. And even the movements of our worship service, the instructions, the words that we say must be in the language of the people. This is a biblical principle of worship. Now, I want to show this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But remember, Luther the great reformer who led the Lutheran Reformation. He was an outlaw, and during the time that he was in hiding in a castle, he translated the Bible into the German and formed the actual German language of today by so doing. And William Tyndall in England, while he's on the continent of Europe, translates the Bible from the Greek and the Hebrew into English, and for it he was martyred. But God answered his prayer. He had a prayer, he prayed, and he said, O God, have mercy, and may the king of England's eyes be opened. And within three years of Tyndall's martyrdom, the king of England, Henry VIII, ordered that the Coverdale Bible, which was almost entirely on Tyndall's translation, was made available in all the churches of England. What an amazing providence. What an amazing answer to prayer. The Bible, you see, was hidden in plain sight in many ways. In Latin, it might be in the churches, but it was not understandable to the people. It was even forbidden for them to read the Bible, forbidden for them to own the Bible, forbidden for them to even discuss the text of the Bible. This was the province of the clergy of the church, The people were kept from the Bible. But when the Reformation came, the Bible is open for the people. And the people can read God's word. They can understand it. They can begin to think about it. They can begin to pray it. They can begin to teach it and understand it. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 about the matter of language in the service of the church. He says, the one who prophesies, and we can have that the one who speaks in the language that people understand for edification in whatever form it may take. It might be through preaching, whatever form. This is what it says. On the other hand, the one who prophesies, that is the one who speaks, speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. This is in the language of the people. Then he asks this question in verse 6. How will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? How will I benefit you? Well, if I'm to benefit you by this means, I must do so in a language that you understand, not a language that you do not understand. And he uses an example of a bugle and some kind of musical thing. If it gives the wrong sound, well, you'll, you'll get the wrong message. He says this in verse 11. If I do not know the meaning of the language, the language is being spoken in church, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker 
and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. And the building up of the church occurs in the language that the people jointly understand. He gives an example of prayer in the church. He says, if I pray in a language, and though I understand the language, and I'm praying with it, and I understand it, and God understands it, but if you're listening to me and you don't understand the language, then you can't say amen to my prayers. You can't join in with them because you don't know what I'm praying. This is true. If, I, if I'm giving thanks, I might be giving thanks with my spirit. I, I might be giving thanks in a language that I understand, that God understands. But if anyone else around me hears it and they don't understand it, well, they can't join in the giving of thanks. They can't benefit from my giving of thanks. When I get through giving thanks to God, they cannot give an amen to the thanksgiving because they do not know what you were saying. So you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. He concludes with these words. Therefore, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 in a language that the people do not understand. So this is a, a principle of biblical worship. That biblical worship, corporate worship, that is when an assembly of people come together forming a congregation to hear God's word, to offer God common praise, to offer God common prayer, they must do so in the language that they jointly understand, or if it's composed of more than one language group, then there must be provision for the people of the different languages to understand what's being said in the service of worship. This is a biblical understanding and principle of worship. It was recovered at the Reformation. It's taught plainly in God's Word. And we should value it and we should be sure that in our own congregations, this is how worship is done. I don't care what the name may be or what the denominational classification may be. This principle applies across the board. All of us as Christians are responsible in the worship of God that we worship God intelligently, understandably, and for the purpose of building up the body of Christ and for the purpose of being able to jointly offer God the worship that he is due because he delights in the praises of his people and he delights in the people understanding his truth and for their souls and minds to be, as it were, washed with it, ravished with God's great and glorious truths that are found in the sacred scripture. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.